We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Candlestick Chronicles. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee with me. It's Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group. The draft is over. I'm exhausted. Kyle, I don't want to speak for you, but I assume you're exhausted too because you've posted 45 times on your website today. Um, the draft is over. We know who the 49ers took. They added eight players. How do you sum up the last three days in, in a quick soundbite? It's been exhausting. And we learned a lot about how the 49ers evaluate their current roster. We do. I totally agree. And I think, well, we'll we'll talk about it. But yeah, we've learned how the 49ers want to operate going forward. I think there are a few themes to look at, particularly offensively, defensively. Uh, This sort of confirms, I think, what we thought going in. And the 49ers are sort of countercultural to the, the perceptions surrounding their roster, particularly in the secondary, which which we'll dive into. Um, but we talked about Nick Bosa on Thursday night in, in the previous episode of this podcast. If you haven't listened to that and you want our Nick Bosa takes, go listen to that episode and then switch back to this one. Here, we're going to talk about rounds two through seven and, uh, and the other seven players, the 49ers, came away with in, in this draft. And, and one thing I think uh, as a preamble before we really get into it, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch both indicated coming into this draft that it was going to be difficult for draftees to make this team, I guess. And and saying that, I mean, guys taken in the fifth, sixth, seventh round are, are going to have a hard time just because Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are in the third year of their major roster reconstruction. So they have more spots solidified. They've had three free agencies. They've had three drafts now. So the team is is 
really close to being in the full vision of of what they want to be going forward. So I think that really paints the picture or the background uh, of what the team did going into this draft. So uh, a quick rundown, I guess, is the best way to do it. In the second round, 36 overall, they went Debo Samuel, South Carolina receiver, a guy we talked a lot about before the draft. They went a surprising route in the third round, 67th overall, Jalen Hurd. I think a guy we're going to talk about a lot receiver from Baylor. I don't know if he's going to end up as a receiver with the 49ers. They went in the fourth round. The, they opened today after trading back with punter Mitch Wisnowski, a uh, Australian punter from Utah. I'm caping for this pick, dude. Yeah, I think I, I like the pick more than a lot of people do, but maybe we like it for, for differing reasons. In round five, pick 148, they go Dre Greenlaw, a stack linebacker from Arkansas. In round six, number 176, Caden Smith, the uh, tight end from Stanford. 183 in round six, Justin School, an offensive tackle from Vanderbilt. Uh, Pick 198, they finish off the draft with Tim Harris, a cornerback from Virginia. So, um, aside from Tim Harris, really, the Niners didn't address the secondary, and, and that was a big point of contention, I think, particularly interacting with fans on Twitter and, and fans will look at that fourth round pick, you know, thinking, okay, the Niners went receiver rounds two and three weapons for Kyle Shanahan. He clearly has roles identified for those guys. Now it's time to address the secondary because the 49ers have had issues there. But not so fast. They go with the best punter in the draft. Uh, they they get him. Consensus. Consensus best punter. In the Consensus draft. best punter in the draft. And first of all, <laughs> if if. Mitch Wisnowski is as good as Johnny Dixon is with Seattle. Um, and I don't know that he is, but I know that's a, that's what the 49ers are hoping. If he's that good, then you're looking at a Pro Bowl, all-pro type punter, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's he can punt with both feet. Not that that necessarily matters, but it's sort of indicative to maybe his dexterity and his athleticism. He averaged something like 45.7 yards per punt or something like that. He downed a bunch inside the opponent's 20 He's a good punter, um, so I know there's been a lot of pushback about this, but I would say that a punter and the, who's going to be with the team for a long time, the 49ers envision this guy being around for a decade, even though he's 27. You don't exactly – like age isn't really an issue for punters. Um, right. If he's going to be that good, this is, this is somebody that 49ers fans should feel good about. And, and what I would say, just real quickly touching on whether you go – punter or address the secondary I think the 49ers clearly looked at where they were at in the fourth round and all the prospects available in the fourth round in that area and they decided none of these guys are better than the secondary dudes we already have and it makes sense because Akella Witherspoon was a third round pick uh Tavarius Moore was a third round pick Jason Verrett was a former first round pick Richard Sherman is Richard Sherman all these guys were drafted higher. They have more NFL experience, obviously, than a rookie would coming in. And so the 49ers look at the fourth round and say, well, we really need a punter. It would be really nice to be able to flip field position for the next decade, potentially. And like I said, ask ask a, a really knowledgeable Seahawks fan how they feel about Johnny Dixon. And I think they will tell you that we love this guy. He's helped out a ton. And and I think it makes sense from that standpoint. From a value perspective, I might push back on the idea that you had to grab him in round four. I know Kyle Shanahan said if we waited till round five, I guarantee you he wouldn't have been there. Well, maybe they take Jake Bailey from Stanford in round five then rather than 
investing a punter in round four, but we don't know exactly, you know, how the defensive backs fell on their board. So the 49ers decided we're going to get a punter here. It speaks to how front offices evaluate football versus how fans and people outside the front office evaluate football. Like it's very clear they value field position a lot when it comes to winning games. And we talked about it all year last year, how much turnovers killed the 49ers because it gave the opponent such good field position. And Bradley Pinion, through his four years, as awesome as he was in the community and off the field, he was not good on the field. He was one of the worst punters in the league for four years. And it, it impacted the 49ers, maybe maybe not uh, in huge ways, just because they didn't have good players. <laughs> but <laughs> That was our bigger issue. Yeah, it was a much bigger issue. But when it comes down to it, I know I know this isn't Madden and it's not punters don't factor into fantasy football, but if there's a minute left and, and you're punting up by five and you have a punter that can drop one inside the opponent's 10 uh, at will, that's a that's a big deal. So I I, I mean, I, I guess we're starting here in the in the fourth round and we'll go talk receivers later. But I think this was a, a fine pick by by San Francisco, especially if what you just said is true and and it clearly is based on what we've seen is is they value their defensive backs much higher uh than we thought they did going into the draft yeah and and the big theme too right we saw them trade for d ford uh they're obviously counting on deforest buckner they went with nick bosa the 49ers feel like the improvement in the secondary is going to come not only from those guys maturing and developing within the system but it's going to come from getting increased pressure on the quarterback and now instead of potentially one double-digit sack guy along the defensive front. The 49ers have three, and they'll be able to pressure quarterbacks at a significantly higher rate. I would imagine the 49ers are going to have, I mean, they should have a top five pass rush in the NFL next season. If they don't, I would consider that a disappointment. And if they do have a top five pass rush, just in terms of pressure rate, turnovers created, things like that, uh, I would say the secondary should look significantly better. And there was also a lot of other things at play when it came to the secondary struggling. And that's not to say the 49ers don't need to upgrade talent there because I do think they they could use more reinforcements. But they had injuries at safety. They started eight different combinations at safety throughout the year. That was a huge issue. Uh, they had a revolving door opposite Richard Sherman, whether it was uh, injuries to Akella Witherspoon or Jimmy Ward, um, or it was just inconsistent play and the 49ers decided to sort of rotate guys. And I don't know that I agreed with that strategy, but one of the changes we're going to see made is the 49ers have a new defensive backs coach and they've moved on from Jeff Halfley. So maybe there'll be more consistency in terms of guys playing there and sticking there rather than always revolving that cornerback opposite Richard Sherman. So I think just more continuity, another year of experience and an improved pass rush. It could like I see where the 49ers are coming from in saying that absolutely we we should have an improved secondary if things break a little bit better and we handle the situation a little bit better. Uh, I think that absolutely could happen. On the other hand, if Akella Witherspoon and Tervarius Moore never develop into high impact starters and somebody like Jason Verrett doesn't stay healthy, then the 49ers don't really have anyone to blame but themselves uh, if the secondary doesn't take the necessary steps they need. But I, I mean, that's 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 where they're coming from. And whether or not, you know, I don't know whether or not to agree with that line of thinking wholeheartedly, because I'm just curious to see how it shakes out. And my theory is, the way you remember this time last year during the draft, right? The 49ers went through the draft and they didn't take a single edge rusher. 
despite right. it being like their biggest need. And then they said, well, we have Eric Armstead and we have Cassius Marsh and it's going to be tough to beat out those guys. Kyle Shanahan today essentially said the same thing about a Kevin Witherspoon and Jimmy Ward. And to an extent, I agree with them. Like, you know, I, I mean, the Jimmy Ward thing is its own animal, but Akella Witherspoon, like we've seen him play well and you don't draft somebody in the third round to give up on them after two years. Uh, just given the way the 49ers have played as a whole, like I don't put all of the blame on Akella Witherspoon for the things that happened when he was targeted and, and everything like that. I, I just think that... I mean, I'm curious to see how it shakes out, but what I but what I do think is like last year the 49ers neglected the edge rusher, right? This spring they add Nick Bosa and D Ford, basically solving their issues at edge rusher. I think we're gonna see something similar next offseason to where if the secondary doesn't perform up to those capabilities or up to the level that the 49ers need to get to the playoffs or at least be in the playoff mix, then they go heavy on the secondary next offseason. Um, but what, what's your take on that and, and just how, you know, the, the, the idea that the 49ers mostly neglected the secondary with the exception of Tim Harris very late in the draft, uh, and and how, and how it's going to be going forward. It's the exact same conversation we had after free agency, right? Like in, in hindsight, we should have seen this coming. You and I, and and a lot of other people talked about how the Niners were going to go edge rusher or Quinn and Williams, number one. And then, you know, receiver, safety, or corner, receiver, safety, or corner. Like, we thought they were going to load up on defensive backs, but we should have seen this coming based on how they approached free agency. They had in free agency an opportunity with ample cap space to add a player that they know is good in the NFL who could have helped them. But they chose not to, and it makes sense that they would then go into the draft and not spend premium draft capital on a player they don't know is good in the NFL. I'm with you in that. I don't know if I necessarily agree with this because the play has been so inconsistent for two consecutive years. And if there was a player on the board that they evaluated and said, hey, you know what? That's a starting NFL safety and they still decided to pass. That that might come back to bite them. But at the same time, like they see these guys in practice. They've, they've, they study their own tape. You're, you on some level have to trust the front office and the coaching staff to say, all right, look, these guys are fine. There just wasn't any pressure on the quarterback. And it's basically a one-on-one drill for a receiver. It's like a practice drill. Right. And it's, 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 it's very, very easy. So I think making life harder on quarterbacks will have a trickle down effect that makes life easier on the defensive backs. And they didn't want to spend premium draft capital if they already have players on the roster who are going to be effective. That's a good way to, to move forward with talking about Debo Samuel and, and Jalen Hurd. So Debo Samuel is a guy we talked a lot about being sort of the perfect Kyle Shanahan type receiver. He's not tall, but Kyle Shanahan obviously doesn't necessarily need a receiver to be tall, particularly to play Z, which is the Pierre Garçon position, that's the possession receiver position. A lot of people thought the 49ers would get a big guy, maybe a red zone target for that Z spot. Samuel is not, but he plays bigger uh, than his size, according to Kyle Shanahan, and he likes his explosiveness. Uh, He really likes what Samuel brings with the ball in his hands, and just given the way Kyle Shanahan can get his receivers open in space, I think Samuel could end up being a really good player within this system. Um, I, somebody asked me on Twitter for a comp for him and I couldn't really come up with one because he just looks like a running back. He's built like a running back. He's like 217 pounds. He's 5'11". Um, like the, the players that came to mind just in terms of build 
were like Tyreek Hill and Brandon Cooks, but obviously he's not as fast or as explosive as those guys, but he's, I would say he's just a touch below them just in terms of explosiveness and and maybe like as a deep threat, but overall like build in terms of being like shorter, maybe a little bit thicker, but still really fast and quick. uh, Samuel sort of resembles those guys. I don't know if he'll be used the same way. I think those guys are more, I mean, Tyreek Hill is would be if he played for the 49ers, he would be an ex receiver, but also do a lot of gadget stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon Cooks is sort of the same way, an ex receiver, and that's sort of what Marquise Goodwin is for the 49ers. Is there do you, do you have like a pro comp for Debo in mind, or are you like me just sort of struggling? Like he seems like a really unique player. Yeah, he is. I, I honestly think when you talk about Debo Samuel in this offense, I don't know why he can't be peak Pierre Garcon. Like yeah, maybe, their, maybe their skill sets are different, but Pierre Garcon's best season was in 2013 under Kyle Shanahan. He had 113 catches that led the, led the league, uh, 1300 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, that's something that I, I think Debo Samuel absolutely has the skill set to be the go-to guy who gets 150 targets or so. Uh, and then, and then you you hit it on the head when you say he's built like a running back. He runs after the catch like a running back as well. He's very mm-hmm. tough to bring down. And when John Lynch talked about toughness from receivers, I think that's what he means is is the NFL the passing games are becoming so condensed vertically that if you have a guy that we saw him do it with George Kittle all year last year, these short passes that he turned into these long gains just because he's such a monster after the catch. You get a guy on the outside who can do the same thing. You have a, a slant that's a five yard throw in the air but it turns into a 25 yard gain because it's impossible to tackle the receiver so yeah i'm i'm with you i i may maybe golden tate is he is can he be can he be that type of of player sure i don't don't think that's far off yeah so i i just when when you look at pierre garçon that big year he had in washington under kyle shanahan i think that's i think that's a pretty fair expectation of debo samuel's ceiling yeah, I think if if I were to compare him and Pierre Garcon, I think Pierre Garcon might be a little bit better at contested catches, but I think Debo Samuel's faster and I think he's more explosive. So I think that's sort of the trade-off, right? Like Shanahan believes in his ability to get guys open. And if he can get somebody open who's really good with the ball in his hands, then we're looking at a lot of yardage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think Samuel's a good pick. He went way before A.J. Brown. Uh, who wound up going to the Tennessee Titans midway through round two, which I thought was fascinating. Um, but I mean, I you know, we've said it before. Kyle Shanahan scouts receivers more than any other position, and he, and, he, and and that's really sort of his position. That's the position he played. Uh, he's he's very good at figuring out exactly how to utilize guys, um, and and he's a lot different than just in terms of build and I guess playing style. And Dante Pettis, who's going to be the X receiver, maybe play a little bit of Z too. Um, but, and Samuel can play in the slot. So I think Samuel essentially could play all three spots. I think he's going to be best off at Z and maybe, maybe an F, which is a slot role. But I like the Samuel pick. The pick that I really had no idea how to evaluate when it happened was Jalen Hurd because he wasn't somebody, honestly, that I looked really hard at. And, and part of that might've been because, uh, a meniscus injury that required surgery, which is a concern, obviously, prevented him from working out at the combine. So we didn't have any testing numbers, but digging into Jalen Hurd a little bit, this guy is a crazy athlete. And I think if he did test hundred percent healthy, I think he would have become, you know, I don't want to say that like 49er fans were all about Hakeem Butler, right? Because of how we tested at the combine paired with 
his productivity at Iowa State. I think right. Hurd would have been a, talked about in that same realm or in that that same volume, the collective volume that everyone on social media is talking about, Hakeem Butler going to the 49ers. I think Hurd would have been similar, that there would have been similar buzz surrounding him. And then, so after the pick, like late last night, Friday night, I go home, I fire up YouTube and, and watch him as a running back at Tennessee. And you just watch this guy run. Like he's a pretty good running back. He's a power-based running back, obviously, running in a power scheme. He's six foot five, but when you watch him move, he's not a dude that looks like he's six five. Yeah, he doesn't lumber. No, not at all. He's very he's a very fluid runner. He's very elusive. Um near the goal line, he de- he definitely has a nose for the end zone and he just looked kind of like a monster and it's like, wow, okay, you could see how this guy would become a second team all SEC running back. Like that's no small thing, right? Right. Uh, so then to watch him play receiver at Baylor and, and he's much more raw. He's not running a super complex route tree. There are a couple plays where you say, wow, he, he really looks like kind of a – he has the, the makings of becoming a refined receiver. But then you realize, okay, it's also the Big 12. He's also running free a lot just because of, you know, the scheme in Baylor and, and the just the lack of defense generally in the Big 12. Uh, and then it, it sort of like clicked in my head hearing Kyle Shanahan say, well, we, we drafted him to be a receiver, sort of. Like he literally said, he said, he said, we drafted him to be a receiver. And he said, kind of. And then thinking about that and then watching him play receiver after watching all the stuff he did as a running back, I'm like, this guy's going to be an H-back tight end type. And it just like totally clicked. Like thinking about what the 49ers did with George Kittle, like all those little misdirection slip screens, right? Where it would be a play action play to the right side. And then Kittle would leak out to the left and then catch the ball in open space and just run up field and, and use his run after the catch ability and just have big gains. He probably had 10 of those plays last year. Imagine right. Jalen Hurd, the former running back, the six foot five. If he puts on weight, I think he's listed at 226 right now. If he put got back to 240 and look, was was the running back style player that he was with Tennessee, and just thinking about how much how much better he might be as a route runner, as a tight end, after playing some receiver and getting coached up as a receiver this offseason, this is like the H back type compliment that could really take some of the pressure off George Kittle and could give the 49ers a dynamic weapon like that's that's unique to what Kyle Shanahan's ever had before and yeah. there aren't a ton of these guys in the NFL so I think Jalen Hurd as much as it was sort of uh, a blindside pick and and sort of a question mark pick just because they just took a receiver around earlier I think this is their most intriguing pick just from the, all the possibilities that that they could pull out of this thing. I think so too. And something that we talked about on previous podcasts was, and something we've talked about off air as well, is just the idea of adding athletes, like just picking up players that are big and fast. And it's like, you find out what to do with them on a football field, but that's basically the chief's model, right? Yeah. You just get guys who are, who are big and fast and have them run around and be faster than the defense and throw the ball when they're open. And I think that Jalen Hurd is exactly that type of player where, Sure, I'm sure Shanahan has a very specific plan in mind, but he's not going to play like a position necessarily. And I think he's going to be very unique in that we see like the Saints use Taysom Hill. He's a quarterback, but they kind of use him for some other gadgety stuff. We've seen, 
like Delaney Walker when he was in when he was in San Francisco. Yes. I don't want to say gadgety. And this is another thing we talked about off air that I wanted to to flesh out here. But Delaney Walker wasn't like a gadget player. And I think the 49ers underutilized him a little bit because he's been a pro bowler in Tennessee. But he just kind of you can line him up in the slot. You can line him up out wide. And he's just a matchup issue everywhere. But Hurd has the added value of you can line him up in the backfield, but you can like run him. He's like a huge Ty Montgomery. Right. Yeah. And I just, that's, it's, it's so interesting that you get him in this offense in Kyle Shanahan's offense, one of the most creative offensive minds in the league. And they said they're bringing him in as a wide receiver. I don't, I would bet he, of the plays he's on the field this year, I bet less than 50% of them are plays where he's just split out, lined up wide and he's going to run around. Right. So I, I want to piggyback off what you said about the the position thing. The Niners not really necessarily having positions. So what Kyle Shanahan's offense looks like from a schematic standpoint is it's not, okay, we have one right wide receiver here and he's going to run this route and the other wide receiver here and he's going to run this route. It's there's an X, an F, a Z. Uh, I, f- I don't know all the vernacular for every for every spot, but there are five eligibles, right? So what Kyle Shanahan will do is according to game plan and matchups, he could have Trent Taylor be the F, which, you know, natural slot receiver, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Or he could have George Kittle be the F on any given play. Obviously, they're very different, different players, but they could run the same route and they could run the same play with completely different personnel groupings. You could have Garrett Selleck be the X receiver on a play if you wanted to. Like That's what Kyle Shanahan does with the offense. So when I look at somebody like Jalen Hurd, he's not going to be limited to, okay, we're going to use him as a receiver here, or we're going to use him as a, as a running back here, a tight end here. He's going to say, okay, where's the matchup, and, and where do we want to put him on the field to best exploit that matchup, right? And so I think the possibilities are really interesting. And like, there are a lot of tight ends in the NFL who are just essentially big receivers, right? George Kittle. <laughs> sure, sure. But Kittle can block. Like Kittle is, sure, right, right, he's, right. he yeah. has the, the blocking prowess of a tight end. Like Evan Ingram, for example, right? Like he's essentially, he's a tight end in title, but he's, he's used as a receiver. Jimmy Graham. Same right. One. So with Jalen Hurd, he's a plus-sized running back. But because he's played receiver now and he's going to get coached up as a receiver when he comes to the 49ers, there's, I mean, the possibilities are crazy. Like this guy is 6'5", 226 pounds. Kyle Shanahan said, we'll see what happens with his body. I think, and we've said it before too, Kyle Shanahan is a bad liar, right? I think the 49ers plan with him is going to be, okay, you're going to come in here. You're going to put on 15 pounds. You're going to be 240. And you're going to look like you did when you were running back at Tennessee. And we're just going to figure out ways to get you in favorable positions, whether that's in open space through misdirection screens or short passes, or, you know, we're going to find matchups. We're going to get you against linebackers or slot cornerbacks. And we're just going to figure this thing out. And meanwhile, everyone's going to be focused on George Kittle. You know, if Marquise Goodwin's healthy, he's going to be running 
deep routes, and obviously you have to account for his speed. Dante Pettis is is should be a lot better in year two if he's healthy and if he's more durable. Obviously, Devo Samuel is is going to be the the possession Z receiver who can you know play underneath or play deep, just given his explosiveness, or play from the slot. But you but you just think about how much Kyle Shanahan loves twelve personnel, right? Loves two tight end personnel. He runs two tight end sets more than anybody else in football by like a lot by a significant margin. If you think about what Jalen Hurd could be, just given his his size and his athleticism and just his skill set, his background as a running back and now as a receiver, if you make him that H-back, like you said, the Delaney Walker type, and he's not the blocker that Delaney Walker was. That's Yeah, not a direct comparison. That's for a sure. clear differentiation, but just a similar role, right? Like Delaney Walker to Vernon Davis could be very similar to the way the 49ers use Jalen Hurd relative to George Kittle. I just think the possibilities are really interesting. And I asked Kyle Shanahan about that today, like, because I remembered in uh, last year in free agency, the Niners wanted Trey Burton, right? From who the, the Eagles tight end who wound up signing with the Bears. And I made that comparison and Shan- Shanahan said, yeah, like, that's what we're looking at. That's, they have similar builds. They have similar skill sets. But I think Jalen Hurd is a much better athlete and is a lot more dynamic with the ball in his hands because, I mean, Trey Burton doesn't, was never an SEC running back. Right. You know, like Jalen Hurd ran for 1,288 yards in 13 games and averaged 4.7 yards per carry and scored 12 touchdowns in the SEC with Tennessee, right? And this was yeah. the same team that Alvin Kamara was on. And one of the reasons why Alvin Kamara wasn't a first-round pick is because he split carries in college with Jalen Hurd. So I right. encourage everybody, I, I know I'm, like what we, what we want to do with draft picks is say, well, this doesn't fill a need, so it's not a good pick. I think this is sort of nuanced in the sense that Jalen Hurd, you know, we we might have dismissed him because he wasn't the obvious Z receiver and because we didn't we simply didn't have this the testing data that we that we had on other people. But I think this makes a ton of sense just from the standpoint of is this if this guy's the second tight end H back type guy, it's a really dynamic option that Kyle Shanahan could make into a really explosive weapon. I have two things on this. One, part of the reason Jalen Hurd left Tennessee was because Alvin Kamara was going to take the starting job. So he transferred to Baylor. Alvin Kamara leaves Tennessee and goes to the NFL. He gets picked number 67, the pick that belonged to the 49ers, but they traded it to the Saints. Right. This year, the Niners used pick number 67 to take Jalen Hurd out of Baylor. It's fascinating. I thought right? that was kind of a kind of a weird connection, just fun. Right. The thing I didn't know about Jalen Hurd that I that I learned in his press conference is that he just decided that he was going to have a longer career if he played wide receiver instead of running back. He was yeah. like, I looked it up, running backs average three and a half years, a wide receiver, you can play for 10. So I'm going to go play wide receiver now. And then he went into a pass-happy offense at Baylor and just thrived as a receiver because he wanted to. Right. That is wild. And that's the kind of player that when you talk about filling a need, okay, maybe he doesn't fill a very specific need, but the 49ers lacked playmakers last year. Mm -hmm. They couldn't put the ball in the end zone because they didn't have guys who could just go make a play. When you look at all the teams, even, even the, even the Patriots, like Julian Edelman, it's just like, get him the ball. He'll go make a play. Uh, James White, they have several guys who do that. The, The Rams have a ton of guys like that. It's it's one of those things where, okay, maybe you don't have him slotted in at a specific position, but 
you, you get him the ball, man. And 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 I think that's where that's where Jalen Hurd really fits. Is it doesn't matter where he lines up, like he has every capability to make a play. Yeah, and I think one one of the reasons why I mean we talk about needs and being a natural receiver and stuff. Like I think you're going to run into trouble if you just say okay go be our Z receiver and just have him outside the numbers and just having, you know, having him run routes. Like, I don't think he's the most nuanced route runner. I don't think he has a full route tree. Obviously Baylor's offense is limited in that sense for receivers, but I think Kyle Shanahan does have a very specific plan in mind. One thing we do need to mention with Jalen Hurd is his injury history. So he's had multiple shoulder surgeries. He's coming off a knee injury, uh, meniscus tear that required minor surgery. Um, it's not the the biggest deal in the world. He played 45 games in college. Uh, he never missed. I mean, he in. I don't. He hasn't missed much time in college. The only time he missed the significant time was when he had to sit out in 2017 due to NCAA transfer rules. But having the multiple shoulder injuries um, and the knee injury should. I mean, it's it's worth noting. Um, but I do think in round three, if he ends up being like the compliment to George Kittle and, and just sort of the, the the missing piece, we talked a lot about size and, and what that could do for the for the red zone, um, just being a big target. If he develops into that piece, then we'll come out of this saying, well, yeah, the 49ers didn't get a, another cornerback to compete with, you know, Jason Verrett and Akella Witherspoon and Tavarius Moore for a starting job. But they did get a super dynamic offensive player that takes them to the next level. Uh, okay, so let's let's go to round five, where they got Dre Greenlaw. So I on there there I don't know if there's a ton to say about this pick. Greenlaw is a player that started all four years at Arkansas. He was voted a team captain his final season. He's a stack linebacker. I think somebody that um, the 49ers grew familiar with at the senior bowl to start with he played uh i forget which team he played for i'd imagine he played on the south team given that he went to arkansas i shouldn't know this i didn't write about the senior bowl but one thing that i thought was interesting he mentioned he mentioned D'Amico ryan's right and um and how close he became with with D'Amico, the niners linebackers coach leading up to this process right and so what the 49ers didn't do is draft alabama's mac wilson a lot of people thought he was a second or third round prospect wilson was still on the board in round five when the 49ers took greenlaw but D'Amico ryan's obviously is very close to the alabama program he's a former alabama linebacker um and and the 49ers decided that they they like greenlaw better uh, Greenlaw is a former safety coming out of high school, so presumably he's good in coverage, or that's like his background, which is sort of in line with with the team's philosophy when it comes to will linebackers. Um, so you know, five eleven, two thirty seven, thirty two inch arms. Uh, he's not a perfect prospect by any means, but I think when you're when you're looking at round five linebackers and you look at, you know, maybe you might have injury concerns about Quan Alexander. Um, it's not a bad idea to get a running back. It's, or sorry, a linebacker. It's obviously not as pressing of a need as, as other positions a team has, but for, for somebody who's going to play special teams a lot, I think it's a, it's a decent pick. And just given that he does, he will play special teams and I would assume be a very important special teams player because the team traded away Dakota Watson um, I'd imagine he's going to play a prominent role just on the roster, even if he isn't starting games. 
if Quan Alexander is going to start the year on the pup list or on IR, then I think I think we might see. I don't think he'll start on IR. I guess on the pup list. I, I think we'll see Greenlaw maybe be a little more prominent, uh, especially in the preseason, as far as you know, competing for for defensive snaps. But a fully healthy Niners roster, I don't think there's really a spot for Greenlaw to play. Like he's really good in coverage, but you have to be able to do more than that to be on the field um, unless you're playing defensive back or safety. And I don't think they're going to transition him from, from linebacker to one of those spots. So uh, he has all the skills to be a really good special teams player though. And there's, there's a ton of value in that. And Kyle Shanahan's talked about it. So the high character guy who can be a contributor on every special teams unit, like that's, that's, uh, that's something they'll take for sure. Yeah. And so if you look at just the depth chart, if you know, Quan Alexander, Fred Warner, Elijah Lee, uh, Dre Greenlaw and David Mayo. Um, one of those guys probably is going to make the team and I'm sensing it's, it might be Mayo or Elijah Lee just because as a fifth round pick, um, you know, obviously draft picks get, get preference when it comes to final cuts, at least the first season. So I, I think he's going to make the team and I think we're going to see him play a significant amount because like I said, and one one of the interesting things too, actually, I asked John Lynch about Greenlaw on special teams, and he didn't play any special teams at Arkansas because he was a starter. But the 49ers and, and Tim Hightower, they have a an evaluation process where they look at guys' measurables, they look at the the tape of what they see on offense and defense, and try to determine their value on special teams. And what John Lynch said was, A, he plays a lot faster than his time speed, right? Like one of the reasons why people are down on him as a prospect is because he ran 473, which is not particularly fast for someone who's 237 pounds. But John Lynch said he played much faster than his time speed. And Hightower was all about the the projection to, to for him on special teams. So um, I think he could end up displacing one of those guys, whether it's Mayo or Lee, or maybe the 49ers decide to keep five linebackers, or maybe they open with four because Quan Alexander is on an injured list coming back from that ACL tear, like you said. Um, so I think this, this pick makes sense in that, in that scope, but, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll say it with every pick until we get to Tim Harris, like it's not a safety and it's not a cornerback, but like we said, the 49ers want to see what they have in Tervarius Moore and Akella Witherspoon in a real competition for playing time, uh, before they, before they just throw other cornerbacks or safeties into the mix. I think that's, I think that's right. And if they're going to take a player who's going to have to transition from being a four-year starter in college to being on the bench in the NFL and maybe only playing special teams. They're going to want a guy who who is a well-liked teammate, a team captain, and a high-character type of player. So I think if, if John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan wind up being in San Francisco for 10 years, I think eventually during drafts we're going to start seeing players get, get called like a, a Shanahan or Lynch guy just right. in terms of maybe they are – Maybe they are not the most highly touted prospect football wise, but they have great character. They they they're great in the locker room or they're leaders. It's really clear that they value that a ton. And I and I think you see that in this pick. So let's go to the sixth round, Caden Smith, the tight end from Stanford. So um I I admittedly have not watched a ton of Stanford. I didn't do much tape, grind much tape on tight ends in this draft. Uh, Caden Smith to me, and I haven't watched him yet, like I said, but seems like a blocking tight end seems like the, the sort of perfect 
uh, Garrett Selleck replacement. Selleck's going to turn 31 next month. Uh, he's entering the final year of his contract. I'm not sure if that means Smith is going to replace Selleck this offseason. Uh, Selleck had single-digit catches last year, and I know I, he had a couple touchdowns, and, and he's highly regarded uh, in the locker room and things like that, but he's not you know, productive to the point where you, he's untouchable, right? So I think Smith, 6'5", 255. John Lynch said that that he, you know, John Lynch watches a lot of Stanford, obviously, as an alum, and his son plays for that team. Um, Smith made a lot of contested catches, a lot of really important catches, um, and he's more than just a blocking tight end, even though he runs like a blocking tight end at 492. But Kyle Shanahan said, he's like, yeah, he's he's not fast, but I know how exactly I'm going to use him. So I would imagine, I would imagine if if it's Caden Smith making the team over Garrett Selleck, we're just going to see him used exactly like Garrett Selleck was, and maybe Smith is a more productive pass catcher, just in terms of you know athleticism, uh, making catches in traffic, things like that. I think Selleck's the perfect, the like really perfect comp. <laughs> right. Uh, at least, at least in the Niners' offense, and Selleck turns thirty, or he's he's already he turned thirty. Yeah, it'll be and then he's on the last year of his he's on the last year of his deal. So this this pick makes a ton of sense. They don't they don't necessarily need, especially with Jalen Hurd and and what we just talked about with the way they can use him. They don't need another top end type of tight end. They need somebody who's going to be solid, mm-hmm. who can who can block, but also be a threat as a pass catcher because of what you talked about earlier with. 12 personnel you have to be able to do a little bit of everything and i think caden smith does just enough receiving to to be on this team yeah and and it's interesting like well one thing and we talked i asked kyle shanahan about um you know the team building and not not drafting not prioritizing the secondary you know after the third round um he basically said like if we don't if we look at a prospect and where we're picking him and we decide He's not going to make the team based on how good he is relative to the guys we already have. Like he, we're not going to draft him. So in taking Caden Smith, that makes me think the 49ers are just going to replace Garrett Selleck right now. And that very well could happen. It's also a six round pick. And if, if, you know, if Smith doesn't make the team and if he goes to the practice squad or even if he just gets cut, whatever, it's not the end of the world. It's a six round pick. Like, you know, really every draft class is, you're only going to remember or guys like they're only going to be two or three or maybe four players from every draft class that stick around long term. So we're getting to the point in the sixth round, the 49ers had three six round picks, by the way, like, you know, take it or leave it. So they think Caden Smith can make the roster. We'll have to see. Um, Justin, it's not going to make or break their playoff no. chances if none of their six round picks contribute. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> somebody, somebody tweeted to me. I'm not going to say who or go back and look for the tweet because I don't want to give them the satisfaction. But it's funny, like somebody tweeted, like because the 49ers drafted Mitch Wishnowski, they're going to end up picking number two again next year. And, uh, and I just find it funny oh. that like, yeah, a, a decision they made in the fourth round of the draft is really going to define the regime. And, and he sees like, they're going to get fired because they're going to pick number two again next year for ne- neglecting the secondary. And I was like, all right. That's a that's a fun way to look at football. <laughs> it was it was it was it was wild how that the idea that the Niners weren't taking a defensive back just never just never permeated through the internet. 
And he got to round five, and they're like, all right, now the safety. Here comes the safety. I'm like, no, no, not still no. Like, if right. they didn't take one in the second or third round, and even if they did take one in the fourth or fifth, like, how many starters, how often do you find a, like, really high-quality starter in, in, in day three of the draft? Right. And, like, I know and, George Kittle was a fifth-round pick, but, like, that's the outlier. It's, that's it's, not the norm. You're not gonna. You're not gonna right. find a gen like a one of the game's best players at his position in the fifth round all the time. That doesn't happen. Um, but I, and I don't want to drill this punter thing because I think we both agree on it. But I did, I did go back and look, and I tweeted it out. Like the Niners' fourth round picks since 2015. So like, okay, say they didn't take a punter who they think is going to be around for a decade. Say they went somewhere else. This is the Niners' history, and obviously a lot of this is Trent Baalke, but like. 2015, Blake Bell, Mike Davis, DeAndre Smelter. None of those guys are productive players for the 49ers. 2016, Richard Robinson uh, started for a little bit, played himself out of the lineup, threw a fit on the sideline, had an incident on a team flight home from a road game, and now he plays for the Jets, and then he got suspended for, I want to say it was marijuana or fake marijuana or something like that. 2017, Joe Williams never played it down. 2018, Contavious Street. Okay, well, maybe he's a decent player. That was a, <clears throat> the fourth-round pick last year from NC State defensive lineman who had a torn ACL. We'll have to see. But, I mean, in the context of just what you get in the fourth round, if you can get a punter who's going to be on your team for a decade, then it's not a terrible idea. They could have drafted a cornerback and say they, they found another Richard Robinson. Is that really going to make the team that much better? Are people going to be happy because, oh, it's a position of need and obviously they're drafting just fine? Or is it that, okay, we need players that can actually help us win win games? And that's why, I, I mean, I think that's where we're both at on, on the punter thing. Um, right. Would you rather have a punter? Like, would you rather have somebody who can flip field position for you and you know he's going to go start day, day one and be a contributor right away? Or you're taking a flyer on a defensive back who's just going to go into the mix with a bunch of other defensive backs who are probably – at or above the level that they are. Right. Exactly. That was the choice. In, it, that was the choice in the fourth round. Like it was an, it, 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 it was an easy, it was an easy call if, if you're the 49ers. Right. Exactly. And if you disagree that they should have gone defensive back earlier, that's fine. Like that's, that's a different argument, but freaking out that they took a punter in the fourth round is right. Yeah. Do okay. <laughs> so let's move on to Justin's school. Uh, pick 183. They're second of three picks in round six. Um, a guy who Kyle Shannon and John Lynch basically said, like, it's not the prettiest. Uh, he doesn't possess, like, the world's greatest traits, but he was just highly productive. And he played in the SEC, and he started 40 straight games. He can play both left and right tackle. Um, can he play cornerback? He can't play cornerback. <laughs> I mean, maybe he could. I, I think he's going to compete for the swing tackle role, and he's a six-round tackle. I don't really know if there's a whole lot of analysis we need to we need to take here. Uh, Tim Harris was one of pro football Focus's best cornerbacks, kind of. I think he had their 11th um, – I'm trying to find it right now. I think he had their 11th highest coverage grade, which is pretty impressive for somebody that you're going to get in the sixth round. He obviously fits their profile. He's 6'2". He has the near 32-inch arms. Um, John Lynch said he fits the profile of what they like. I think, you know, I don't know if this is going to like make everybody relax, but if he's, if he makes the team, I think that's a win. Like if he, if he outplays Greg Maben and, and is, you know, the, the corner who's either on the bench playing special teams or inactive on game days, I think that's, that's 
sort of the best case scenario here. Um, so, I mean, they, they didn't address cornerback with a real meaningful pick, but they did get a good value, I think, in round six uh, with Tim Harris. And I think, obviously, with him, we have to mention the fact that he missed 2016 and 2017 with separate injuries. Uh, he was given medical redshirts those years. I think he's 24, and which is old for a prospect, obviously. He's been in college since 2013, which is kind of crazy to think about just because he had those two medical redshirt years, but he's going to come in. He's going to be, you know, presumably more mature than a typical rookie would. Um, And I just think it's a, it's a good value. um, And it, you know, it's a, it's at a position the 49ers could use reinforcements. So I think it's fine. Yeah. And I did, I did a little bit of research on him. He actually was a really highly recruited prospect. It's like a, as like a sophomore in high school, like he was Joe Paterno and and the Penn State coaching staff called him like the best up and coming prospect cornerback uh, prospect they'd seen and uh, he got more scholarship offers than guys like Michael Robinson who was a Pro Bowler in the NFL and played quarterback at Penn State so he 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 had a he was on a on a really good track to to the NFL he he got a starting job as a freshman and produced at Virginia but then really couldn't stay healthy but when he was healthy he was a super productive player so i think i think this is a really like low risk high reward pick and if you told me if you said hey i'm from the future and tim harris is <laughs> starting for the 49ers in 2021 like i'd be surprised but it wouldn't it wouldn't floor me by any stretch right so i think it's a good pick it's not you know, it's it's not the second or third round cornerback that I think everybody wanted for the 49ers, but I think it's for round six. I think it's the type of player you want to bring in. And obviously the the medical stuff is is the clear caveat here. Um, but yeah, that's the 49ers draft class. Eight players. Uh, they traded away Dakota Watson. So the mystery of uh, what number Nick Bosa is going to wear uh, I think is solved. I'm pretty sure the 49ers are just going to let him wear the 97 he wore in college. That was Dakota Watts' number. Shout out to the beat writers for all being on top of that on the internet. Thank you. So <laughs> I'll I'll let you I'll let you go behind the curtain. Um, Ooh, hey hey listeners, let's go. Let's follow Chris <laughs> behind the curtain. The uh, the Niners beat core of writers. I would not say we're a group that takes our jobs too seriously. Not serious Um, enough sometimes, I think. (laughs) Relax. (laughs) So we, the, like the, we're so punch drunk at certain points of the draft because we're stuck in this windowless room for, for hours and hours on end that we're just kind of hysterical. And that's why if I sound tired, I apologize, but I'm exhausted. Um, but we, we, we like, there are just certain things that we just laugh at hysterically, like, like middle school kids for no real reason other than the fact that we're punch drunk and immature. Um, this was one of those things where they traded Dakota Watson, and I forget who tweeted it first, but we all sort of joked like, hey, everybody tweet this, and we literally all tweeted the same thing. That's so funny. Um, That's and so perfect. And do things like that. And Kyle, I want to give you a lot of credit for your tweet um friday it was friday night right the yeah the the josh rosen dolphin tweet like we were literally dying laughing like me tracy sandler eric branch nick wagner i think mayoko was laughing no yeah mayoko was laughing too there was just like 
a, a point and it was like peach punch punch wow i can't even speak peak punch drunkness and this and this tweet came in and it was like ridiculous it was it was a perfect tweet at the perfect moment and we all just died <laughs> I don't know if you want to like say exactly what the tweet was and I don't know if it'll hit the same way it did, but it was, it was a phenomenal moment. Probably, probably the most indelible moment in, in covering this draft for me was your, was your fire tweet. That, about Josh I've, Rosen. you know what? I say that every day. I'm like, I hope I can do a tweet that's indelible. So thank you. That's, <laughs> that's really my goal for a day. Yeah. Just, was, Adam, Adam Schefter tweeted, Josh Rosen right. is going to be a dolphin. And I said, that's going to make it really hard to be a quarterback. It was so damn funny at the time. Yeah, it's just it was so like just just <laughs> and and maybe it's because of that South Park episode yes. where they have like the operations to <laughs> like become dolphins. Maybe that was in my mind because I remember that being so damn funny. Um but yeah, good job on your part. Thanks, man. I think we should end we should end this podcast on the high note of remembering your fantastic Josh Rosen as a dolphin tweet. Uh, thank you for listening to Candlestick Chronicles and following all of our draft coverage. Um, read Kyle's site, NinersWire.com. It's of the USA Today Sports Media Group. He's got tons and tons and tons of content for you guys to check out around the draft. Um, I have a lot, too. Uh, I, I graded every single pick today. That was one of my assignments during uh, throughout the entire draft. So all eight picks are graded. SackB.com slash 49ers. There's other stuff about Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch talking about the new punter, uh, the controversial punter, and a bunch of other news and notes, uh, breakdowns of all the picks, everything like that. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And we will talk to you guys next week. 